Hey guys, welcome to episode nine of the Album Collection, the podcast where we pick some of our favorite albums from our favorite artists of yesteryear and of today, uh, and we take a deep dive and explore what we like about them and what we don't and everything in between. So on this episode, Emily picked Kenny Chesney's 2002 album, No Shoes, No Shirt, No Problem. But there is going to be a problem. This, this is a, this is going to be a tough one to figure out where it ranks amongst all his albums. And we'll get into that later. But Emily? Yes. So I... I, I love Kenny, obviously. Everyone knows this. My friends thought I was obsessed after I went to his concert back in the day, almost 10 years ago. Holy cow. But yeah. he, and honestly, in the past few years, I think we've both gotten into the deep cuts on albums because we have all the music at our, our fingertips, basically, through Spotify or other streaming stuff. But Kenny is one where we mostly had all his albums. So True. I feel like we, well, at least from like 2000 up, his 90s albums, maybe not so much, but we both kind of knew the songs that never made it to radio. So I thought this one, I picked this one for two reasons. First of all, because the album before this was a greatest hits album. Can you believe that before he put out this album that has no shoes, no shirt, no problem, he was able to put a greatest hits album together? Yeah, <laughs> weird. It is. But I also just thought this was because mainly of No Shoes, No Shirt, No Problem. It, was, it became his brand. It, he, he kind of found who he was going to be. He found his, his niche in country music. And No Shoes is what he calls his fans now, like No Shoes Nation. So I think this album is, was a career-changing album. Maybe not necessarily for sales or the numbers, although they are good. I yeah, think really says, yeah, but I just think as as an artist of who he wanted to be, the music he wanted to make, I think this album kind of gave him direction, um, maybe made him stand out amongst the busy, crowded field. Yeah, you make a good point because uh, he burst onto the scene in the early 90s, 93, 94, uh, 95, he had his first hit with Fall in Love, went to number six. And fast forward a little further, and he gets to 1998, and he releases How Forever Feels. And the music video for that is very tropical, beachy paradise. Yeah. So that was kind of the, the first start of that. And, you know, some artists, they do those videos, but it doesn't become their brand. A year right. later, he comes out with She Thinks My Tractor Sexy, which he definitely could have gone in that direction and just totally... <laughs> You know, <laughs> done that, but then yeah. yeah, fast forward a couple a couple more years, and no shoes, no shirt, no problem, and it becomes his brand. Uh, and I think this album, especially, you kind of got a slightly different sound. And then I think this album really set the stage for his different sound. But then the next one and the ones after, you're like, okay, he's fully committed to this this new brand, yeah. and people can hate him, people. I know some people think that he should have stayed with the traditional country sound and it probably would have worked for him. He has that good of a voice, but you can't argue with the success that he's had right. and the brand he's built and all of that. So I don't, I don't think he would have been as successful. I just, I don't see it. 
there's so much that came with it. You can't, you can't have a Kenny Chesney concert and go to the sandbar because he doesn't sing songs about the beach and the Caribbean. Yeah, but I think it's so. I mean, he. I mean, he did put out a greatest hits album, right? He had yeah a good ten year period yeah. or so, and it's but is it's, it sustainable? Maybe I don't know. I mean, I could see Tim McGraw becoming this if he would have switched brands, right? He'd be mm. good looking mm. guy. It, it, but it's just it's hard to imagine. That's all. Yeah, it's, even just like the the album art. If you look at. Um, how he appears on the albums, the the cover. The 90s is very 90s. He's got his button-down shirt. Yeah. He always has a cowboy hat, but then mm-hmm. this one, he's still got the cowboy hat on. He's got his black tank top. He's on a beach, very tropical. And all the other ones from there on out, his hat just seems a little more beachy or Caribbean. Like, you know, I just don't... He changed. He's, he found himself in the music he wants to make. And I think... I don't know. It works. It's it's you can't I mean, make Kenny Chesney yeah. superstar. I think I don't blame him one bit. I mean, what's the worst thing? No. Like, oh, every year we get to go film a music video on a beach, and he does right. all these shows on the beach, and yeah, I think I think I don't he think made it was intentional right though. I think he went there was yeah. Uh, what am I trying to say? You know, influenced, and he just said, "I'm going to make this kind of music, and screw everyone who doesn't like it." Mm-hmm. which isn't many people no just a couple of haters but those are probably always haters uh yeah so this was his sixth studio album i believe um Crazy. it was his first album to reach number one on U- u.s billboard 200 so obviously a smash uh featured one number one song three number twos and one number six uh the good stuff became his biggest hit up until this, this point uh, I don't know, so spending good. seven weeks at number one, which aside from in recent years with Florida Georgia Lines meant to be and Sam Hunt's Body Like a Back Road, it's just so unheard of nowadays right. and even then. Um, and the album was certified quadruple platinum, which crazy, just, it, just mind-boggling numbers. And even the good stuff, that was – the name the single of the year in 2002 mm-hmm. i think for all for all country so and it's such a good song so i don't good. know if you want to get into the if you had more statistics for us if you want to get into the singles but that song makes the album so good as much as no shoes is maybe the defining one this one is i love this song one of my favorite kind of chessies. yeah the thing with kenny is he could he could be the guy that only puts out party anthems and beach anthems, and mm-hmm. he'd be great. And he yeah, people would still love him. But his ability to still go back and be like, you know, I'm gonna absolutely pull at your heartstrings, probably make you yeah. cry, make you feel something like really deep. And it's not like it's not one of these cheap things where, all right, we've had five beach singles and now we need a heartfelt. Like no, those like the songs right. are well written. And yeah, you know, he kicks ass on him. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's one of, I mean, Kenny's the beach guy, but I think he's more than that. Uh, he's a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. I think he's really good at getting into a character. Even it, sometimes a lot of his songs come from maybe a female perspective. Even he's really good at just making it seem really universal. And I think that's mm-hmm. what the good stuff is. It's good at doing. And yes, just a tearjerker. 
before we dive too, too deep into the singles, I just want to highlight a few of the songwriters on this yes. album. So there's about 20 different songwriters. Kenny's on a few of them. Uh, the, the couple that I want to call out here, um, Craig Wiseman. He wrote, yes. uh, he wrote Young and The Good Stuff. He's a massive, massive superstar songwriter, producer, business guy in Nashville. Uh, 26 career number ones. He was actually named the songwriter of the decade uh, in 2009. And two years later, he founded Big Loud, which mm. if you're familiar with them, you know, they're linked with artists like Florida Georgia Line, Morgan Wallen, Hardy, Chris Lane, Think Jake Owen, uh, multiple others. Uh, some of his other songs that he's written, uh, Phil Vassar's American Child, Brooks and Dunn's Believe, Blake Shelton's Boys Around Here. Uh, he's written a bunch for Tim McGraw, too. Live Like You Were Dying, Everywhere, My Favorite, Where the Green Grass Grows. Mm. Uh, and then he's got a bunch of other hits with Kenny, too. He wrote Ain't Back Yet, The Good Stuff, She's Got It All, Summertime, The Woman With You. So what I'm trying to say is the dude's rich. Uh, <laughs> but in, in all seriousness like he he knows how to construct a song and can he trust him and i think yeah look at definitely. when you look at this album and going forward he certainly brings in new songwriters and such but he he i think he really discovers his sound and i think he realizes who is best equipped to help him bring that sound out you know, it just made me think of this. You know what I love about Spotify? Do you see that sometimes they put together playlists by certain songwriters? Yeah. I don't know if they have one for Craig Wiseman. I saw they had one for, I think, Nicole Galleon. But I think that's really cool because if you like one of their songs, it's more than likely you're going to like all of them or at least the majority of them. Right. I think it's kind of cool that you can listen to all your favorite artists, but it's all coming from the same person. So yes. I think that was just. Yes. Side note. And that's a good little side note from your side note is that <laughs> uh, if you have Spotify and you follow us uh, on Spotify, raised on it uh, once in a while, depending on if there's an artist, a new artist we're featuring and they've been a hit songwriter for a bunch of times uh, previously, we've, we've made playlists that include their originals, but a lot of their other songs. So I know like one mm -hmm. that comes to mind is, Ray Falter, right? We have a Ray Falter playlist that's all of his original stuff, but then everything he's written for Luke too. So yeah, check it out if you're on Spotify. Mm -hmm. uh, but we'll, we'll have to do some more of that stuff because you make a good yeah. point. It's, it's cool uh, to have that all in one spot. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. The other one I wanted to highlight, let's see here. Um, a couple other names, Jim Collins. He wrote the good stuff. I uh, wrote a couple other Kenny songs. She thinks my tractor's sexy. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Uh, Which also, how does this same person write the good stuff and she thinks my tractor's sexy? That's a diverse human being, and I love it. Way to go, Jim Collins. Uh, the same people that rage on Saturday nights, they still go to church Sundays. <laughs> so uh, I think there's, I, I think you can play both angles of it for sure. He's talking about himself, guys. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other songwriter, uh, actually two more, uh, quickly, uh, Paul Overstreet, uh, he wrote Never Gonna Feel Like That Again, 
Uh, but he also wrote, she thinks my tractor sexy, uh, a couple other big time songs in country music, uh, forever and ever. Amen by Randy Travis and Keith Whitley's when you say nothing at all, obviously smash hits. Uh, and then the last songwriter I want to call out is, uh, Casey Bethard. Uh, Mm-hmm. So he wrote No Shoes, No Shirt, No Problems. Yeah. BMI Songwriter of the Year in 2004 and 2008. Six number ones. Uh, other Kenny songs he's written include The Boys of Fall and Don't Blink. Um, and he's written with a bunch of other artists. Uh, Tracy Bird's Ten Rounds with Jose Cuervo. Tracy Lawrence's Find Out Who Your Friends Are. Cleaning This Gun by Rodney Atkins. And... Uh, he wrote with Chris Stapleton uh, for Darius Rucker's comeback song. So oh. uh, he was oh. he was definitely a, a guy. Short making, resume. Yeah. Yeah. Short. Yeah. Uh, just a couple <laughs> no namers that dropped. But uh, so those are the the key songwriters that stand out. Um, but, Paul Overstreet, you know, he has a famous son, Cord Overstreet. Do you know the actor singer? No. Should I? I don't know. Did you ever watch Glee? Mm-hmm. He uh, played Sam Evans, Trouty Mouth. I think if you saw him, you'd probably recognize him. But he's a pretty well-known actor now, too. He's done other stuff afterwards. But he's also a great singer and songwriter. So, and, and Paul and his wife named their kids all sorts of things to do with music. Like, Cord is one of them. I think they named one of their kids Nash because they all live in Nashville. It's insane. There's, like, five kids. Yeah, I, I could go on. But we're not talking about the Overstreet family. But I just thought it was a... The more you know, kind of. Uh, <laughs> wow, interesting. Yeah, we're going all. Yeah. The, we're covering everything <laughs> on this one. Uh, one of the other things about this album, when we get to producers, uh, so it was produced by Buddy Cannon and Norris Wilson, and this this is a crucial fork in the road kind of moment with oh. Kenny's career as well. Uh, when it comes to Buddy Cannon, he's seventy three years old right now, so he's been in the industry for many many years. Wait, wait, he's 73 at the moment of this album, or he's now he's 73 in 2020? In 2020. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's 73. So, you know, he's worked in the 70s, 80s, and I got got some cool stories to share here, too. So uh, he started working with Kenny on the I Will Stand album, uh, which was his fourth one, I believe, in 97. Uh, And that one was actually his last more so traditional sounding album. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's produced every single Kenny Chesney album since, which mm. is fascinating that wow. Kenny clearly trusts him and yeah. they have a good thing. So it's, why not? Why fix it if it's not broke? Yeah, exactly. Um, but how we got there, which just shows the, the inner webs of corporate Nashville, corporate music industry between publishers and record label dramas uh so at the time this is in the we go back to the 70s 80s he was writing songs to getting cuts but he wanted to produce uh he was at mercury records at the time and kenny had just signed a publishing deal with a company across the street from mercury so people are going in and out of buildings you know they're trying to get pictures on of this record label and you know everyone's even though they're separate there's a ton of overlap right right so he tells a story quote I knew Kenny as a rookie songwriter. He would walk across the street and hand out in our lobby, hang out in our lobby, shooting the breeze with our receptionist. He'd be in there every day, once or twice a day. He's like, but I had no idea he was trying to be an artist. One day, 
he came in and asked me if he could see me in my office for a minute. He told me he just got signed with Capricorn Records and he said, I would love for you to produce my first album. But Buddy Cannon says he knew that it couldn't happen given some of the restrictions that were placed on him and uh, as far as who he could work with and produce, whatever, whatever. So mm-hmm. he had to tell him no, which he said sucked. Yeah. Chesney hires a different producer and that kind of produces the first couple of albums. So, yeah. uh, however, Buddy Cannon still wanted to really produce and it became clear to him that he would have to leave um, if he ever wanted to get back to his goal of producing. He was mainly songwriting and trying to pick out songs. So he quit and he said toodaloo basically. Uh, he went to Warner Chapel. They gave him a publishing deal that brought in money for a little bit. And a couple months later, uh, he got a call and Kenny wanted uh, him to go produce and the rest is history. So uh, it's... Wow. It's, but I feel like there's, you know, probably dozens and dozens of those stories. Yeah. Um, so but talk yeah. about like knowing what's right for yourself a smart career move it's it's risky but he he probably knew deep down he wasn't happy where he was he's got this great up-and-comer across the street who wants to work with you dearly yeah and yeah yeah, 20 years later you're sitting pretty on a pile of cash i think you did Mm -hmm. just fine (laughs) yeah uh so yeah he's worked with kenny on every album since and kind of helped him shape his sound so uh, the other producer, Norris Wilson, I don't have a ton, but uh, worked with artists going as far back as Charlie Pride, George Jones, Tammy Wynette, to more recent-ish, uh, Reba Shania and Sarah Evans. So uh, he passed away a couple years ago, but both these guys were, uh, you know, hanging around in the 70s and 80s. And uh, it's I just find it remarkable that, you know, that they were working with sounds like Charlie Pride and George Jones and Tammy Wynette fast forward and Kenny Chesney's creating this new sound. So, right. Just cool. Yeah. I'm sure it's fun for them to do something new and different and fresh. So why not? See what works till it doesn't work. Absolutely. I have some album reviews. I found a bunch. Did you? Oh, good. Yes. Uh, they're all kind of long. I'll try to, I'll read them. I'll try to skim through uh, bullet points if I can. I like, um, I like critiquing the critique. So lay it on right. me. So listen here. The first one is from Rolling Stone. Oh boy. A guy by the name of Mark Kemp. Uh, he says, quote, Kenny Chesney, a man who once sang about his sexy tractor, <laughs> fancies Hallmark card country propped up by clean pop metal guitars and bright firecracker drums. In his rich George Strait baritone, Chesney covers all the contemporary country bases on no shoes, no shirt, no problems. High school memories, Cinderella stories, easy living, and of course, bittersweet love. On Young, the first single, Chesney sings of being a terrible teen in the years when young boys wore John Cougar Mellicamp t-shirts and acted like wannabe rebels who didn't have a clue. Look at the photo spread inside, though, and Chesney comes off more like a boy toy than a bad boy. (laughs) But if you can get past the cheesy album art and mind-numbing national production, Chesney delivers real feeling in some of the songs. A Lot of Things Different, written by music vets Bill Anderson and Dean Dillon, is a wistful 
Meditation on Regret, in which Chesney over gentle acoustic guitar talks, sings lines like, I'd have stood up to that bully when he pushed me and called me names, yada, yada. If all of Chesney's sentimental, uh, sentimental words felt this real, he'd be more than just another Nashville pretty boy. End quote. Nashville pretty boy. Now I kind of want to see what the inside album art looks like. <laughs> like what? I don't know. Rolling Stone feels like they have a reputation to uphold, so they have to be very critical in all the wrong yeah. places. So that's interesting because yeah. maybe maybe I'm just convoluted about what early 2000s was like. Maybe he was just trying to fit in, but now he just seems so much his own person and not caring to fit into the Nashville sound. No. But that's all right. That was interesting. Yeah. Uh, second one uh, from All Music Review, Thomas Earlwine <clears throat> says, Kenny Chesney has a voice that would be perfect for hard country, but he just doesn't have his heart in it. He likes the sweet melodies and smooth production that come with crossover country pop. And while that may have been a frustration at one point, at least for those who consider pure country as the only guideline for quality in country, by his sixth album, 2002's No Shoes, No Shirt, No Problems, he's landed upon an effortless blend of pop and twang, something that is undeniable in, his, in its crossover intentions, but rather charming at the same. Perhaps Chesney relies a bit too much on ballads and mid-tempo numbers throughout this album, but even the sprightlier numbers here, the terrific opener Young and Big Star, are not honky-tonk ravers, but Heartland-styled rockers that gently rock and keep the melody in the forefront. So all of the album flows smoothly, and little of it could be called pure country. The most down-home thing about the entire enterprise is the rounded twang in his voice. But as a mature, even-handed country pop album, it doesn't get much better than this in 2002, since it's melodic, well-produced, strong on solid material, and most of all, very well sung. It's one of the highlights in his catalog. End quote. Man, have we always been critiquing things as not country enough? Has it ever not been that way? Did That's people think that like Haggard was too pop? I mean, how far back does it go? But it was a pretty positive review overall. Yeah, like you said, he, it's not pure country so to say, by the twang and the traditional sounds of 30 years prior, but yeah. it's, it's good, right? Right. Uh, the last one here from Entertainment Weekly, David Brown, <clears throat> says, as mainstream country con continues to grow sleeker, it's easy to forget that the music has long been steeped in anguish, remorse, and overwhelming qu quantities of sentimentality and alcohol. That's a mouthful. <laughs> so Kenny Chesney deserves credit for at least dipping his toes into country's dark backwater. The lyrics alone on the album will leave you more despondent than the latest puddle of mud and corn albums combined. All right. Sounding more senior than his 34 years, Chesney has chosen songs in which he reminisces wistfully about the end of his free-spirited youth in songs like Young and Never Gonna Feel That Way Again. Ticks off a list of regrets from missing an Elvis concert to not talking to his father enough and tries unsuccessfully to blot a former love out of his mind with, I remember and I can't go there. Then there's the sad Walgreens employee in 
live those songs who still wishes Creedence <laughs> songs were on the radio. All told, it's enough to make a, <laughs> this is a new word for me, teetotaler, totaler, teetotaler, whatever, reach for a bottle of whatever, whatever's around, end quote. I don't know what was going on. Is he basically, did I understand that right? That country music has to be full of anguish and, and sad tones. Is that what he expects? And that's what he wanted to hear more in his album? Uh, I think, I think he, I think he's maybe his critique is that sometimes it, it doesn't go as, it doesn't touch the dark subjects or whatever as often oh. as it should. Um, but yeah, that's clearly, clearly subjective. Um, yeah. All right. I mean, fine. Critiques are so hard. It's it's one person's opinion about what they think something should be and right. if it falls into the right category. So it's fine. Those are their opinions. <laughs> Whatever. It's I'm going to listen to this album all day long because it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, so those are the reviews from the quote unquote experts. Uh, <laughs> but everyone is an expert. Uh, yes. So it comes to the singles. Let's talk about that. Releases five of them. Uh, the order of them: Young he releases December of two thousand one. The good stuff comes out May two thousand two. A lot of things different comes out September two thousand two. Big Star comes out in January of two thousand three, and his last single that he releases to radio is the title track "No Shoes, No Shirt, No Problems," which he releases in May of two thousand and three. What a great song to start the summer off on. What, right? 2003, that song comes on the radio, and it's just, things are good. Man, that's that's some good planning. I wonder if they always planned it that way. No Shoes being the last song to be released, it's like, were they nervous about it? Were they like, is this too too different? Um, Part of me thinks it's almost the opposite. That yeah. they were that they were that confident that they were that confident in that song, and maybe my theory here because you bring up a good point, like why would you wait for that one to be the last one released? Yeah, maybe as his sound is evolving and he's kind of going more that direction, he was starting to have more of those songs in his catalog that it was like, well, if we have that one towards the end of this album you know, as far as singles released, it'll be a good segue into mm-hmm. the next ones. Oh, yeah. I'm not just sure. That's just one. Going. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a good point. Also, I read that um, Live Those Songs, it never got released, but it was charted at number 60 or something on the charts because he played it at his live shows all the time. Yeah. and here's So it's an honorary single. Here's my beef with the album. They... Yeah. As good as it is, it's it's always for me. It's going to have a little blemish on it because I'm not a fan of the song. A lot of things different. I'm just not. I didn't even know that was a single. Me I didn't neither. even know he released it. Yeah, that's my. It should not have been a single no. at all. And the fact that you have lived those songs. It, yeah. It's if you swap those out. I mean, yeah, the other one was number six, but. It's it's a colossal error in my mistake. In my right. opinion. He he's he's opening he was opening his shows with Live Those Songs again because it was then put on his next album, 
when the sun goes down as the live version. And I don't know if he even plays the, what is it, do things different. You know, I, I don't know. I'm glad yeah, we're on the same page with this one. <laughs> that, that, that's one of the, when you listen to the album, there's 12 songs. When you listen one through 12, it, it's clear. Live Those Songs jumps out. And maybe it's because yeah. we've heard it before and it's, it's a good song for live shows and summer and all of that. But it just, when you hear it, you're like, why was this held right. back and not released? So. Right. Were they trying to, did they think maybe they needed another slow or deeper, meaningful song to pack in there? I don't know. Maybe. I, I mean, they, we've talked about it on some of their albums too, where if, if you have too many ballads back together, you risk it. And the, the good stuff was the second song. And then a lot of things different came out and that would have been a hell of a pivot. I really think. Yeah. But, uh, I also think it's crazy. I think, I think we did, we did a Kenny um, bracket, right? That was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Two, yeah, the March Madness, yep. yeah. And it was, it was finding, you know, his most popular songs and, because when he, he released Get Along, that was his 30th number one. And you go back and you find all his other number ones. And I remember at the time thinking, wait, No Shoes isn't number one. Big yeah. Star didn't hit number one. Young didn't hit number one. I mean, number two isn't bad, but all these giant songs that everyone knows and loves never cracked the top spot. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think one of them... Let's see here. This would have been, uh, maybe I'm thinking of a different song, but I feel like uh, Daryl Worley's Have You Forgotten uh, got in the way of some of these. Um, oh, probably Young. I think. Because you yeah. said that was yep. December 2001. Or, yeah. Yeah. That so that would have been impacting radio in 2002. I think that's the one. And then I think Live Like You Were Dying was around the same time, too. So there were. Oh. Uh. Oh, no, that was 2004. Was it? Yeah. But then, yeah, I mean, Alan probably came out with um, Where Were You? Yeah. But I also wonder if the good stuff, now that you mention it, did that have anything to do with the fallout, the repercussions that happened after 9-11? You know, a stripped-down song of what's important in life that hit a little differently in that time six months after, but... Interesting. Yeah, it's a good, good reasoning, I guess. So, aside from the one song, do you think they got it right? <laughs> yeah. Besides the one major f up that they did, it was yeah. all good. <laughs> uh, to- total agreements. Uh, any other songs stick out when it when it comes to hit hidden gems? Other, obviously, live those songs. We're in agreement on. But is there yeah. any other ones? Um, I like. There's two songs that I, I really like. I, I like. I feel like we're going to be in agreement. I really feel like we're going to be locked I don't think so. Once. Oh, I totally think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Sorry. I like, okay, I remember. Yes, that's it. Okay. <laughs> oh, shoot. There's a fresher. Um, on the coast of somewhere beautiful. Nope. Uh, I liked it. I didn't have it yeah. as one of my hidden gems, but... Um, I think it's, I think they're both really great quality songs. Yeah. Um, what was your other one? 
Uh, it was, I just had, the only two I had were live those songs. And I remember, um, oh, okay. I, I think I remember is just a nice mid tempo song. Love those. Yeah. And, uh, I think I'm, and I remember, I think his vocals are best on this song on the album. He just hits, yeah. a, he just hits like a really, a really great, uh, vocal range on this on this song in particular and i just love it and i i really do like on the coast of somewhere beautiful too you, it's a it's a kenny song yeah. before he was yeah kenny and even i mean some of the other ones they're they're good but they're not um single quality i wouldn't have released never going to feel like that again it comes off a little too horny do you think um do you think never going to feel like that again when I listened to it, I thought, wow, this is kind of the prequel to There Goes My Life. Yeah, but once you hear him sing about Cindy Lou, all I could think about was the Grinch. And so I kind of got distracted. <laughs> Honestly, the first time I heard him, I'm like, wait, Cindy Lou? And I, I went back and listened to it again. And then he sings about her later on in the song. And I'm like, was there no better name? Was there no better name? Yeah, I think I think the song would stand out more to us if he didn't have "There Goes My Life" because it's kind of a similar subject matter uh, as right. far as yeah, absolutely. But it's that, done so much better, <laughs> right? So maybe you know, maybe he felt good about it, but just wanted to perfect it, and obviously, yeah, it's not as 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 honest or or I don't know, harsh maybe. I don't know but that's the right, that's not the right word I'm looking for, but it's just, there's a, a different element to There Goes My Life that feels a little more truthful than this. This one seems, maybe generic is the word I'm looking for. This one seems very generic. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's play Matchmaker. So you're going to oh, set yeah. up, you're going to set up uh, some of these songs that you're, you're, you're hidden gems and you're going to match them with artists that you would want them to cut it today in 2020. Okay. Can we first of all just a quick mention about how Tim McGraw sings oh, yes. the last line of I can't go there, even though he's not credited for it. And I really want to know if this is around the time when they <laughs> jumped on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> what was going on? I don't understand it. Why? Why did that happen? Why did he sing about eight stanzas, stanzas, whatever, of the song? Well, he's if, if you listen closely, he's he joins – uh, Kenny on the choruses more as a okay in the background background vocals but you can you can definitely hear that it's Tim when you know that it's Tim you, you can hear that it's Tim but yeah then uh, so he's on each of the choruses and then towards the end they, they kind of go back and forth a bit but very random song <laughs> yes. and again he's not even credited you look at if, if I look at this album I say ooh, a song featuring Tim McGraw, it might be the first one I try on. Can we make a rule that in order for it to be a true collaboration or feature that the, the, the collaborator needs to get a verse? Because this was my, my issue yeah. with uh, Kelsey and Kenny's duet, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Kenny's basically just the background vocals on the chorus. Right. He doesn't yeah. get any of the verses and I, yeah, that's just my little pet peeve. And with this one, it's like, he's the background, but he definitely, you definitely, yeah. he sings by himself. He definitely should have got credit. So 
Oh, I came across a, a, a collaboration I totally forgot about. Remind me to tell you about it later because I listened to it. And I'm like, wow, I forgot these two paired up, but it's, it's a really good song. But I want to get two songs. Justin Moore and Miranda Lambert? No. Uh, it, was, it was actually, okay, it was Alabama in sync. So <laughs> that's what. Oh, good one. All right. Yeah. So matchmaker. Yeah. So I'm going to go with my. I'm one I'm most proud of first for thinking of. And I hope you like it. And if not, you're wrong. But I would love Which for song? Young. Young. To be sung by. Eric Church? Mr. Morgan Wallen. Oh, okay. That, I never even thought of that, but I like that. I'm, I'm proud of that one. Um, I actually thought Eric Church would do really good at uh, the good stuff. Mm-hmm. That would be a good one. See what he would do with it. And then uh, the only other one that kind of came to mind, I, I would kind of like to see what Sam Hunt would do to Big Star. Yeah. Yeah, it would sound totally different, I think, but. Yeah. Or to, to take to take Big Star and make his own song out of it with the same kind of melody. I don't know. I just think there's a lot to work with with that song and it it has the interesting musicality to it that I feel Sam yeah. Hunt would just gravitate to but I could be totally wrong and I what think, do you got uh with before I get there I think with a lot of the singles they've released off of this album they all when you hear the first two to three seconds you know what song it is yeah instantly like the yeah the guitar lick opening of the good stuff you know, just the yeah. subtleness of it. Uh, so my matchmaker, uh, I just picked, I picked the two songs that I had from my hidden gems. Uh, so I'll get the first one out of the way, live those songs. I, I think it's a hit in the making and I don't really want to give it to any sort of rising country artists. Uh, I want to hear Keith Urban sing it or I want to oh. hear Carrie Underwood sing it. It's those oh. two. Dang. Together. Yeah. Uh, separate, but separate. maybe they could go together. Interesting. Ponder that. But her voice would be really good on that song. She's that's what I'm saying. I, the I high the vocals. Yeah. She could just let it just let it roll, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the one I had a lot of fun with, and I honestly oh, probably boy. I probably sat here uh scrolling through Spotify of my different of different country artists. Um so I remember and the way I want to position this song is okay. So it's, it's just Ken, Kenny, right? And it's a bit of a bummer song. And there's kind of a bunch of bummer songs on here. Just poor heartbroken <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> really? Uh, but with, I remember, I really want to make a duet out of this. And okay. the first one, it will never, ever happen. But the reason I thought of it is because it would be so damn real that I think if the two could push their, I'm guessing pretty strong differences aside, I think I think it would be just it, it would shock the country world. I if Blake and Miranda could come <laughs> together because I think their their vocals together would be so yes. so great, and yes. the fact that the song matter kind of basically describes what happened with them. You know, they're yeah. in love, they fell out of love, the whole thing. So yeah. that, if I could wave, wave a magic wand, that would be that one. Um, 
Just, just have them each sing it separately, not knowing, and then mesh yes. them together. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to record the whole song, but only do this verse for, yeah. for now. Yeah. Uh, and the other, um, so I thought about some potential other males on this one. If it's going to be a duet, I thought of a Justin Moore, maybe a Luke Bryan. And Blake, obviously, is my preferred choice. Uh, but yeah. female, uh, so I have two versions of females, right? So if Blake's on it, I think there's something really cool if either like Kelly Clarkson or Reba would join them. I, I would love to hear that sound. Mm-hmm. The other one, and this is obviously I'm just playing with the all-stars and country artists right now. Or Kenny releases it and he re-releases it as a duet with someone like Carrie or someone like Reba. So mm. those are kind of my, I, I like, Dang. I really like the song, but I yeah. want the song. I think there could be some push and pull between the male and female vo- voices. So Definitely. You know, Chris Lane is a huge Kenny fan. I think he'd be good on some of these songs too. He's kind of done the more tropical stuff and his yeah. latest album. So I don't know if he could probably cover no shoes and make it seem believable. Mm-hmm. Um, did you like the, the Bruce Springsteen cover? One step up. I didn't understand why it was on this album. <laughs> I had no idea what it was doing here. Honestly, I just have my notes here. Sad song end of a relationship. Cause that's, Half of the songs on this album, poor, I don't know what Kenny was going through at this time or the writers. Like, he hadn't found Renee at this point yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was going to make things better. Uh, but yeah, there's, I mean, there, who, man, yeah. some of this stuff just hits hard. Like, man, are you okay? Right. Uh, songs like Dreams, which is equally parts sad and equally parts empowering uh that yeah, song there's... i d- didn't remind you of um it kind of sounded like uh, uh brooks and duns she's not the cheating kind mm. it, it kind of felt like that and also a little bit of she's more by andy griggs i don't know why those two songs yeah the melody kind of felt the same and i thought it's if sad someone were to cover that one yeah i felt that either brad paisley could cover that one or i would Ooh. love to hear dan and shay on it because they can sing a sad song Ooh. like no other <laughs> yeah and what was uh let's see here where did i have it in my notes the one song i was not really feeling here uh must have lost my notes here um what's the, i what other one is did we not talk here. about yet um there's one in here that I think we did. Which one is the one that has more of a a speak sing to him, right? Is That's that... the one that was a single. Yeah, see, a lot of things different. <laughs> I uh, that it just I, and I, I don't know how it did so well at radio. I I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. Rant over. <laughs> uh, are we on to the metal round or no? We are on to the metal round. Ugh. So this is the hardest one for me so far. And we covered Eric Church. And you know I love Eric Church, but this is so difficult for me. I'll say I'll say one thing. My number one album, which could change tomorrow, but I've I've pretty consistently kept it number one, 
is When the Sun Goes Down, which is the Same. other album I thought to review instead of this one. But I want to get a little outside my comfort zone, make it a little hey, bit more. Hey, there we go. Right, right. Kind of regret it, but no, not really. That's that, number one. That's that's my number one as well. Continue. Okay. Um, this is where it gets tricky. So I think I have one, two, three, four, five. I've, I've written down six Hank Chesney albums, and then I, got- I was like... I got four, yeah. so this will be a okay. good comparison. Okay. So I think my number two, my number two and number three, which maybe could be interchangeable, ro- The Road and the Radio. Same. Shut up, really? We're on a roll so far. <laughs> well, this is where we get off the roll. Um, because then um, this album, obviously, I play into it, but some of his more recent ones from – Cosmic Hallelujah, The Big Revival, and Hemingway's Whiskey. I remember Hemingway's Whiskey. I think you got the album your senior year of high school. I remember listening to that in your car on the way to school. Oh, oh yeah. So that one. Honestly, the only thing that that keeps No Shoes in the number probably four spot for me is because the singles, minus the one that we don't mention, are so good. But the rest of it, Okay, so if we take out the Do Things Different one and flip it with Live Those Songs, you got five solid singles. That's all I would take from this album. Whereas some of these other ones I mentioned, there's so many good deep cuts. Or I don't feel like No Shoes has as many good deep cuts. And that's why it's probably number four. So did you have Hemingway's Whiskey at number three? Actually, a Cosmic Hallelujah at number three. Okay. I had Hemingway's Whiskey at three and then No Shoes at four. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I could put it at four too because there are better deep cuts on Hemingway's. Coastal is one that I just, I love that one. Yeah. But but yeah, that's crazy. We have the same one too. Yeah, I think when you look at When the Sun Goes Down, and I'm sure we'll cover it at some point on this podcast, but that's the gold standard. Uh, yeah. In the road of the radio, oh. same one, same thing, and it's it's always yeah. How do we evaluate these albums? And you don't have rules. I don't have rules. Is right. it you know sometimes do we give a little bit more weight to which songs, you know, which albums had the more impactful singles? Does that play a factor sometimes? Yeah, but then sometimes if one through twelve or one through thirteen are really great that's a case for making it a, a better album than some of the other ones that might have better singles. It's tricky. Right. Yeah. It, it's like, do you want to listen to an album where you, you don't skip a song? Is that what your standard is? Because I think that's what I base it off of. No skips. No skips. Um, this, this one I would skip a few. I'd be skipping. Maybe half. <laughs> I'd be skipping song three right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I think it just shows though, Kenny and the power that grew from this album. I think this album made it possible for when the sun goes down to be even bigger and better and so forth. After this, he kind of just never stops. Right. And I think when you listen to this album from start to finish, there's not there's not a congruent sound to it where some of the other albums that come after this. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's talking about different subjects 
and topics, but on this one, it's kind of a little, it doesn't flow as well as some of the other albums that come after this do. Agreed. And I think when I was first looking at which one I wanted to talk about, I thought this one would be more beachy. I thought it'd be a little more Kenny because, because of, of No Shoes. Album title, yeah. Right. And it wasn't. It was, it's very much a kind of drawing from the past, but wanting to go into the future. And then I, I think with, with When the Sun Goes Down, he just commits fully to his new persona. And maybe, and maybe that's how we have to look at this album is that it's not the Kenny we know now, the beach, the tropical Kenny, and it's not the traditional Kenny Chesney when he came on in the 90s. Maybe this album truly is his transitional album yeah. between both of them. And then he follows it up with When the Sun Goes Down and Becoming the Kenny Chesney We All Know and Love. Yeah, that is a good way to look at it. Yeah, it's kind of an odd album, but the singles are so strong. Well, 80% of them are. Yes. <laughs> so true. <laughs> but uh, it is funny because on the next album, like when the sun goes down, he puts Live Those Songs on there again, but it's the live version. I think that shows the power of it. Yeah, but he still should have released it as a single to radio. I mean... But he, do you think he had the choice? Do you think he's out there saying this should have been a single and to prove it to all those suits, he goes and performs at his concert and people go crazy for it. And he's like, huh, told you. That's what I think happened. I'm going to say if Kenny really believed in it after putting out a greatest hits album in the late nineties and having this album go platinum four times, I think if he really I, wanted to, he could have pushed it. I don't know. I don't know how much power young Kenneth had. I don't think he's that. He's mid thirties at this point, right? He's been. Yeah, but he's not Kenny Chesney. You know, he was kind of, who is this guy who's singing about a sexy tractor? You know, and was he taken super seriously? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe now he can do whatever the hell he wants. He's Kenny Chesney, but 18 years ago. Also, when you said that he was 34, I did the math. He's 52. Yeah. It's holy it's buckets. Guys like Tim and Keith, Keith and Kenny, probably Brad's up there too. Guys are yeah. all in their 50s and they're, I mean, I think Tim, Ke Tim, Kenny, and Keith are more so than Brad continuing, but um, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. Wow. Well, final, this a final overall thoughts if you could sum it up in a, Tweet. Mm, 240 characters. I would say people don't have to listen to the album. That sounds so bad. But the, I would say if you're going to listen to it, make sure you don't forget about Live Those Songs because that's really the hidden gem on here. Although I'm sure most people probably already know it. The singles otherwise are super good and to remind it of those because you don't hear them all the time anymore True. and honestly it just makes me want to continue and listen to all his albums consecutively which that, i might just do that'd be a good a tw good 24-hour day yeah <laughs> plus uh yeah it's it's the song the singles stick out more so than the album as a whole um when you think about this one and yeah i just think it's a transitional album for him and honestly, at the end of the day, he got 
five songs released to radio that were top 10. He had a number one, a bunch of number twos. And in that sense, it was a successful album. But there there is a little bit of emptiness you feel that uh a they messed one of the singles up as far as which one to release and then b there just isn't as isn't as deep quality when it comes to uh agreed the supporting songs so yeah cool well i was surprised you picked this kenny album i was expecting when the sun goes down but i know we'll have to save that for another day yeah i was like he's gonna think i'm picking this one so i can't do it would have been fun though. We were, we probably would have had a lot of fun with that album. But. Definitely. Uh, Save for a rainy day. Gotta love Kenny. When you get to talk about Kenny, it's always great. And I think my yes. next uh, video vault video is gonna be a Kenny Chesney video. So start, start guessing there. Maybe I'm like seventy percent there. But uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, this is the album collection on the Raised on It podcast network. Make sure you subscribe. Send us a review. Uh, If there's an album you want us to review, let us know. Tweet us, Instagram message, email, whatever. Uh, And we'll we'll take it up and maybe we'll have you on. Uh, So, Brema, this is Aaron. Make sure you follow us at raisedonablog.com. And see you next time.